Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast, the penultimate Forever Blue podcast of the season. Hopefully we'll be back again to do it again next season. And we're here this season because of Howard Solicitors based in Ashton and Stockport, for which I'm very grateful for their support. And if you look at their website, which is howardsolicitors.com, and the email is very fairly easy as well, it's... Uh, email at howardsolicitors.com uh, then you can find out all about them support them if you are in the greater manchester area and you need some support you need a solicitor for some reason reach out to them tell them about that you heard about them on the forever blue podcast and i'm sure they'll be delighted to help you um so this penultimate podcast of the season which of course if you're new to it is all about manchester city um is with three very special guests First of all, um, the former City captain and one of my absolute all-time heroes, Paul Power. Uh, also two of our normal team, which is Harlan, and who needs very little introduction. You see him pop up on the, uh, the YouTube vlogs as well from time to time. He was down there at Wembley and we caught up yesterday at Wembley. And also Adam, who was once on City Matters Committee, a very uh, passionate City fan, um, who also is a very valued member of the Forever Blue team. So to all three of you, thanks very much. Uh, we'll talk about lots of things, I'm sure, in this, this hour or so. But we've got to start, Paul, by your reaction to the FA Cup final. Uh, I've got to say that when Ilkay Gundogan scored in the first 15 seconds, I leapt out of my seat almost as much as Sergio Aguero moment back in 2012. And indeed, your free kick at uh, Aston Villa in the semi-final of the FA Cup back, back in 1981 when I gashed my leg on the wooden seat bench in front of me. And I was on the football special that day. I used to be a steward on the football specials. I had no re reason to realise that it was just, just a knock on the, on the leg. And I went back to the, the train afterwards and I was selling pies and sausage rolls to the fans on there, about 500 fans. And somebody said to me, what's that red stuff on your shoe? And I, I pulled my pants up and my leg was bleeding. There was a big gash in it. And, I, you know, because of the adrenaline of you scoring that goal, in extra time at Villa Park, I hadn't even felt it really. But well, I'm, can I just say I'm glad it happened? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> no, no for that. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that was on the way to the 81 FA Cup final, and anybody that's watched the YouTube vlog that I did from Wembley will see that I bumped into Kevin Reeves, who played in that final, who scored, um, and. It was ironic that I should bump into him and say, well, you know, one of them, the saddest, most disappointing days for me was losing that final in the replay. You, you were there, you were the captain. What, what did that feel like? And was there any, you're blue as well, Paul. Was there any sort of, the fact that that happened yesterday, I know it's not the first time City have won the FA Cup since, since that 81 Cup final, but it's, it's the most magnificent one, isn't it, beating United? Does that in any way make up for the disappointment of 81 to you? Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you, if you'd have asked me that immediately after the game, uh, nothing, nothing would have consoled me, um, you know, after that, because I felt we'd played well enough in the first game uh, to beat Spurs. Spurs were uh, probably favourites, you know, certainly Ipswich were in the semi-final and we managed to, uh, we managed to beat them. I thought, I thought we outplayed Spurs in the... Um, uh, in the in the first game, and we're you know obviously disappointed um, uh, to only get a draw out of that. But um, yeah, it's a, 
I, I remember actually on the night the, we, we had a, a reception at a hotel in London and uh, Peter Swales was the chairman and uh, he made a speech and he said, better to have been there and lost than not to have been there at all. And I thought, what a load of cobblers at the time. <laughs> but looking back on it now, uh, you know, I do think that, um, you know, to get to a, a, an FA Cup semi-final and play uh, at Wembley and be introduced to a member of the royal family, which he hadn't been uh, before the Queen Mother was uh, um, was the member of the royal family who uh, I escorted her down the down the line of players. I got told off for putting my arm around her back because uh, it's, it's time to mount to treason, apparently. You know, I, I might have had a dagger in my hand or something, so you don't put your hand around the back of royalty ever. Uh, but nobody told me that before, so uh, so I, I had to take that on the chin. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's loads of things happen like those stories, um, you know, uh, on, on the way to Wembley, which is one of the greatest uh, moments in the in the English footballing calendar. And as you say, yesterday, uh, unbelievable that um, after all these years of playing football, Manchester City and Manchester United have never competed in that competition at Wembley. So when Ilkay Gundogan was walking along the line and it was his turn to introduce, you know, the special guests and everything to the team, were you were, were all those memories coming back to you or are they that long ago that you just watched it as, as a football match? No, I just I, I just watched it as a football match yesterday. But, um, you know, in, in certain quiet moments, sort of when I'm on my own and I, uh, I think back and reflect on what I've done over my career and, um, you know, big games that I played in. And um, that will come top of the list. I, I used to see in the reception area at Main Road uh, pictures of Tony Buck on, uh, being hoisted on the shoulders of uh, Alan Oakes and Glimpardo, I think it was. Uh, when we when they won the uh, the FA Cup in '69, and uh, you know I would have absolutely loved there to be a picture of me doing the same thing uh, in a reception area somewhere at Main Road, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. Uh, but no shame uh, to the team, um, you know, for failing to do that. I thought what we achieved that year was fantastic, uh, and uh, all the memories, the actual. Uh, being at the hotel the night before the game, uh, Bob Monkhouse was like the celebrity comedian at a dinner that we had there. Then we, you know, got travelling to the game uh, on the coach on the Saturday, going past all the bars that were full of uh, uh, blue and white um, shirts and flags and, uh, you know, going out onto the pitch in our sort of club Wembley suits. Um which I thought yesterday, looking at the two teams, I thought United were turned out a little bit sharper than us. But, but the modern day style, if you like, is to dress down. You know, City had uh, T-shirts and all the same. They looked a team. Uh, but we, we had these pinside, uh, pinstripe suits on it. I've still got it. I've still got the suit upstairs. And um, still we're talking about 40-odd years ago, maybe now. So it's still... Does that suit still fit you? <laughs> it does. It does actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, although my son once wore it to a crap suit party uh, at university, <laughs> you know. So, so there you go. You can't please all the people all the time. But yeah, yeah. Uh, memories all the time, sort of um, when things happen that I see on the television, you know, uh, the memories come flooding back, all good ones. It took me years to get over the disappointment of losing that 81 Cup final because, you know, I, I, there was never any certainty City would do it again. And it shows how far we've come as a football club that it was part two of the treble. That's what everybody was saying. That's Even the players after the game are going two down, one to go and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that shows how, how far this club has come, doesn't it? Oh, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. My, my son works... Uh, for the football club now, like, you know, he's, he's involved more uh, on the academy and the administration side, nothing to do with the, uh, the playing or the coaching side at all. But uh, I'm absolutely proud to, to bits that the fact that, you know, the power name is still associated with the club. Um, me during not particularly exciting periods, although we've talked about a few that... Um, uh, that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Uh, we've, I also suffered relegation against Luton Town and, you know, spent a couple of years in the in the second division, but then promotion again against Charlton Athletic was a great occasion. So, you know, the the, the Power family has been littered with, uh, with great moments, good and bad, of our association with Manchester City. So... Uh, you know, I'm I'm thrilled with that. And Nicky, Nicky's actually coming here. Uh, for those that don't know, I live in France now, but uh, I live near a, a town called Narbonne in the in the south of France, about about sort of forty or forty five minutes away from the uh, Pyrenees. Lovely, lovely part of the world. And Nicky's coming to to spend a, a few days with his family, and then he's going to fly to Istanbul Istanbul on Friday. Uh, from Toulouse, um, and then you know he'll be at the game on Saturday, and unfortunately uh, I, I won't be with him. But uh, you know I'll be having all fingers crossed, television channels switched on, uh, hoping that uh, they can emulate what only one other club has done. You know Manchester United, so and the Alex Ferguson era, which I played through, and um, you know so. We think all fingers crossed, and uh, I believe that that Pep has got it exactly right. When I when I look at the bench on Saturday, and I see the talent that is on the bench, I mean Phil Foden. I was I was still employed by the club when we signed Phil Foden. Phil Foden as an eight year old, and um, he was the best player in the northwest. Everybody wanted to sign Phil Foden, and you know full marks to. Uh, to Barry Pointment, Pointen, who was our recruitment officer, and Jim Casella, who was the uh, academy director, uh, we managed to get his signature above Man United, Everton, Liverpool, all the, all the clubs in the northwest. Uh, and to see him now uh, flower into a fantastic young footballer, and not only that, a fantastic young man, and a, and I think. That is one thing about the manager, that he only has people in the dressing room that want to be there. You know, I've, I've played in teams where, you know, there's, there's been, we've had a squad, there's maybe been one player in the team and an equally good player who's been out of the team. 
mm. and maybe three or four good players that have been out of the team. And you find that those three players sort of get together and they think, and they sort of saying we're we're better than them. You know, we we're good. At, we're we're top players and we should be in the first team. And then it creates an atmosphere in the dressing room. Well, I don't think Pep. Um, is it will tolerate that at all? You know, he'll um, he'll just if anybody causes a problem in the dressing room, they're off down the road. So, Cancelo is a perfect example of that. You know, he's he's allowed Jesus and uh, um, Zinchenko to go and improve the Arsenal team, but he's brought players in or he's used players that were already there, like Ake and uh, uh, Akanji. You know, they, they fitted in perfectly and improved the team, um, you know, the, as it is today. So I think he is a top, top manager, uh, only, only wanting top personalities around the football club. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I get the impression from Nicky, who, who works there, that, um, you know, the, the atmosphere around the dressing room, and I see Haaland and Grealish on the television and how... How yeah. together they are. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Look, all the staff are involved. Pep doesn't put himself first. You know, he, he puts himself down the queue and gives credit to, uh, to everybody at the football club, even the, the dinner ladies or whatever. You know, it's, it seems a fantastic atmosphere around the place. And I'm, I'm not a bit surprised that they're all enjoying the success together. I'm going to bring the two lads in in a second, but one thing I must say is that when Nick flies out to Istanbul, he cannot possibly set off from an airport called Toulouse. It has to be an airport called To Win, not to Lose. Tell him that. I'm not flying from Toulouse, I'm flying from To Win. Okay. Tell him. Tell him in Wales, you can, you can fly from Toulouse. So what did he say, Adam? When the plane takes off, he'll be in Toulouse. <laughs> Right. I've never even considered that until you mentioned it there now. I can tell Harlan wants to come and ask a question, so I'm going to throw the door open now to you, Harlan. You can talk about the, the cup, Val. I know, I know how much it meant to you to be there with yeah. uh, your fiancé and, 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 and soak it all in. I know you don't always have the means to get to all the away games, but that must have been something really special for you. Yeah, the, 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 one of the best things is that you were actually saying everything I've been thinking about saying for the last 10 minutes. As soon as Paul said to lose, I thought the to win gag's got to come out. Then Mr Cheeseman brings it <laughs> out of the bag, doesn't he? So it shows you that good minds think alike, I'd like to think, Ian. That we're a lot more in tune. People know we're in tune anyway, because obviously we've worked together for a long time now, but um, it just shows you that good minds think alike, really. Um, Paul, it's fair to say <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, it's fair to say, Paul, that, that although you um, although you said that you would have liked to have to have had a picture of yourself lifting the FA Cup, Ilkay Gundogan dons, you know, a Paul Power-esque tash. He has a similar hairstyle to you and he hits the ball with power. So I think, if, if, if we're honest, he is basically the regeneration of Mr Paul Power himself, isn't he? Well, uh, that would be a fantastic compliment to me, but... Um... Uh, but I think he's his own player, you know, to, to be captain of that side, which really could have had could have had five or six captains. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Kevin De Bruyne would be a natural captain. He's a natural leader. Uh, Diaz at the back and, you know, uh, uh, Stones, the way he's performed this year, deserves to... 
to lead the team out. And so it could be any one of five. And I, I actually, uh, when I left City, I went to Everton and Kevin Ratcliffe was captain, but he could have easily been Dave Watson, who had been captain at um, Norwich. It could have been me, who had been captain at City for years. could have been Peter Reid, who then went on to captain City in later years and managed them. You know, so I think you need those types of people in the dressing room, uh, leaders, if you like, um, and all making a contribution to um, to a great team effort. And I, I'm sure that's uh, the situation at City at the moment. Well, it's yeah. very interesting, actually. You talk about captaincy there, and when I when I think of City's captains, uh, because of the the years I've lived through, I immediately think of Bucky, and yeah. I also immediately think of you. Um, in recent years, the way that the captain has been selected, certainly under Pep, has been that the players themselves decide who the captain's going to be. Can you imagine that happening in your era? Because you wouldn't have been. Um, you know, picked by your teammates, you would have been picked by your manager as captain, wouldn't you? I was, in fact, um, it's probably the well, I was going to say it's the only thing that Malcolm Allison got right, but that's a matter of opinion. But from my point of view, Malcolm Allison got that right. I mean, I was absolutely uh, uh, delighted to, to ask to captain the club, especially when there were players like. Um, you know, Joe Corrigan and Tommy Booth and uh, Dennis Stewart, who were international players or, or senior to me and more, um, you know, more, sort of more steeped in Manchester City than I was. I was quite, uh, even though I was like 20 odd, I was still quite uh, inexperienced really for that job. But I don't know what his criteria were. I never asked him. Uh, he always treated me well as a captain. Uh, Billy McNeil, not so. You know, I, I thought that he saw himself as a as the leader of the club. You know, um, didn't really respect the view of the players, um, and some of the players resented that. So that created a little bit of an atmosphere in the in the dressing room between the management team and the players. Um, whereas. What I'm saying now is everything seems to be together at City. Pep, whether it's a policy of his that he's had, you know, all the successful clubs he's been to, uh, where he has a committee that decide, you know, how they're going to... I mean, we uh, just mentioned him before about wearing a club suit. The chairman at the time, Peter Swales, had a friend, um, a Jewish tailor in Manchester, and he... Uh, gave us this suit as a, a feta complete, really. You know, this is it. You you wear this suit. Everybody will wear it. It was, it was a, an okay blue suit. And um, Dennis Stewart said, I look like the bloody coach driver if I wear that. He said, I've got, you know, I'll, I'll go to a, a place in Manchester. So we all traipsed down. Uh, the chairman was good as gold. Like, you know, he, he allowed us to, it, it was probably a lot more expensive to buy the suit Danny said it was a nice pinstripe grey suit with a with a navy blue tie. Yeah, I told you I've still got it upstairs. I go and visit it every time, all, all the time. So, um, you know, but it was it was different the way the club was run then. You know, the chairman would decide things like that. Although he'd have to relent if the players were that strong that um, you know they were they were going to put their own message forward. 
Uh, and there were a couple of incidents like that that happened. Uh, and uh, sometimes the player was, was supported, sometimes he wasn't. And, you know, when we got to the um, full Members' Cup final, uh, when we played Chelsea, um, and Billy McNeil wanted us to go and sign lots of autographs at, at the, uh, at the um, souvenir shop, which wasn't owned by the club at the time. It was owned by an individual. So some of the senior players like Gordon Smith and Graham Baker said to me, um, well, we, you know, let's uh, see if the, the owner of the club is going to get, who's going to get a lot of money. Um, you can make a, a contribution to the to the players' fund, like you know. So we had a, a sort of a players' um, pool, if you like. So I went to see Billy McNeil, and uh, and he said, uh, "Who's your who's your problem?" I said, "Well, I'm not here. I'm not here to to say who my problem is. I'm here to represent all the players." And that's how it was then. So you didn't have a committee. So it was me against Billy McNeil and, and Jimmy Frizzell. And, uh, and he ended up tapping me on the backside when I left his office, uh, Billy McNeil, and said, you do testimonial here, aren't you? Which I thought was absolutely outrageous because he's made a, a personal attack on me for coming to represent what the players wanted. Anyway, uh, the next day, we, before training, he came in and the, the players that wanted this uh, donation to the players pool didn't say a word. You know, they all were a little bit intimidated by him. So I just slammed my boots down. I said, right, come on, let's go and train. I said, I, I put up a better argument than that myself yesterday afternoon. So, um, so that was the end of the matter. But Pep is not like that. He's not domineering. He, you know, it seems that uh, he, he listens to people. I'm sure if, if he doesn't want to... Um, accept what the players are, are uh, negotiating. There'll be somewhere in between where they'll come to a compromise, you know, whereas uh, sort of in my day, it really wasn't, uh, it wasn't like that. And as strong as you wanted to be, it was the manager or the chairman who ruled the roost in those days, like, you know, so, say uh, la vie. Yeah, he's a genius, Pep, no doubt about that. Um, mm -hmm. let, let's go back to the cup final and get, get Adam's perspective now on what the experience was like. I mean, I know you were a little wary of coming on the podcast tonight, Adam, because you might not have recovered in time, but um, <laughs> you seem to have recovered. So what, what was it? talk us through your day. What was it like? Oh, well, we, we set off at the, the crack of dawn, really. So we, um, and we had a hotel booked. So we were down, we were down into London by about 10 a.m., um, and then we just basically went to one of the pubs on our side of the ground, walked up to the ground, uh, had a good sort of hour inside Wembley before kickoff. Um, and despite all that early early time and all that prep there, I just don't think any of us were ready for that first goal. And I've never, I've never felt it's such a... I'm one of those people when the ball hits the back of the net, I'm usually the first one up. Sometimes before it's even hit the back of the net, I can just, I just sort of feel I know when it's going to go, when it's going in. But even though I saw in my own eyes that ball go in, there was just a millisecond where I just thought, it can't have, can it? <laughs> and I just looked around and everyone was wearing the same sort of puzzled expression. Uh, although we'd seen it, we couldn't believe it. Um, and then I've never never known such a big game where with such an air of calm and confidence in the fans. I just don't think anybody had any concerns until 
they got their penalty. And I think, you know, the fans started to think it, it couldn't go wrong like this, could it? And I, I actually think that came across in the players as well, because I think the only wobble they had in the whole game was, was in that 10 minutes after United's mm-hmm. goal. They came out and reset at half-time and came out and just went on and, and won the game for a second time in the second half. I mean, at the time when I was watching the game in the ground, um, I didn't realise what the significance of the I mean, I didn't even know there'd been a handball. I didn't know there'd right. been any suggestion for that penalty. I've watched it since, and there's no way on earth that that is a penalty. I mean, you know, but people have said by the strictest rule, you know, if the body's hands away from the body, but come on, you can't jump up in the air with two arms strapped to your sides. There was no intent on that at all. You also Ian, have also Ian, that golf ball. Yeah, go on. Say, it, it smacks of officials who have never, ever played the game. Yeah. You know, and somebody's made this rule that if your arm isn't isn't in the ambit of your body, you know, do me a favour. If you jump up, you jump, you, you raise your arms to jump up. And he wasn't even looking at the ball when uh, when it hit his fingers. He hit his fingers. He didn't move his hand towards the ball. The only the only two people that that um, that have said it was a penalty were Roy Keane, who you would bloody expect, like you know. Uh, uh, read as he is, uh, so he said that on the television. And then this morning, I read in the in, in the Daily Mail, uh, the referee, who uh, sort of after the event makes a comment about um, uh, about the, the the referee's decisions, and and he has backed the referee up. And I think you must be joking, you know. I, I cannot believe that um, uh, that people feel that that is a penalty. It must be. Really aggrieved all the City fans. I, I know I was. I, I was swearing actually in front of the television. God, God I go. I go even further, Paul, and I think that you know the, these vague rules and the the, the constant change in the rules and the introduction of VAR. It all seems to me that it just enables them to justify it after the fact, whatever it is that they actually want to give. And I and I personally think if that same incident had happened down the other end, there would never have even been a VAR check. In actual fact. And I haven't watched the game back, so I'm not. I don't, I'm on thin ice here. But I thought we had a penalty a couple of minutes later down the other end for a trip on De Bruyne. Yeah, um, yeah. The screen did not say VAR check or anything. There was no sign of any VAR check for that. So no. I think they just pick and choose what they want to give. I watched yeah. that one again. If it makes you feel any better or worse, Adam, and to me that is a clear cut penalty. Right. And they also showed. I watched the, the match of the day highlights. I didn't watch the whole game. But as uh, there was another bit that they showed where Casemiro went into the ankle, I forget which City player it was. Over yeah, the yeah, top. it was a horrendous and, tackle. And I'm thinking... It was know, a leg-breaking tackle. It was terrible, wasn't it, Paul? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Harlan, what, what, what's your version? Yeah, yeah, Ian. Well, me and Jess watched the, the City version of the extended highlights this morning. And, and I just want to say as well, I know Alistair Mann is a City fan. Um, but 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 I know you're a good friend of Alistair, and I, I've I've never really had the pleasure of I've said hello to him once or twice at the game. I've never I've never really had the pleasure of telling Alistair that you know alongside yourself, um, you know alongside you know the, the, the likes of Clive Tilsley and other favourites of mine that, that, that you have all inspired me. To make this clear, you mean Alistair Mann, don't you? I, I did say Alistair Mann, didn't I? I? If you did, if you did, I missed it. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Sorry, to make yeah, it clear yeah. to everybody. Oh, yeah. So yeah, no, no. So Alistair Mann, yeah, of course, and uh, and Clive Tilsley, um, you know, Motti, of course, yourself, 
yourself being the main person that I listened to as a kid uh, on GMR, of course, you've all inspired me to do what I now do and do what I want to do as a career now. So thanks for that, first and foremost. Alistair's commentary of that, of that final alongside Michael Brown, who I had the pleasure of interviewing at the Manchester Remembers uh, match at Boundary Park a couple of weeks ago, was absolutely exceptional. Um, and if you've not seen them highlights and you're a blue and you want to listen to the commentary from a blue and an ex-blue for blues about blues on that final, please give it a watch on YouTube because it's an exceptional montage of commentary for around 12 minutes from Alistair Mann and Michael Brown. Um, but I did watch that version with Jess this morning, with our Jess. And um, the, the, the tackle from Casemiro was an absolute disgrace. And do you know what, Ian? The vitriol. I don't know why, and I don't know where it, where, where it, where it you know, really beds from, really. But the hatred he's got for us, not just as a red, but when he was at Madrid. Three times last year in that semi-final, second leg, he should have been sent off when we played Madrid in that second leg. There was terrible challenges on De Bruyne, I think two or three. He left one on Gundogan against Madrid in the second leg as well. He's, I've never rated him as, listen, has he got quality? Is he Brazilian? Does he have a lot of flair about him as, a, as an old-school type midfielder? Yes. But is he a leg-breaking midfielder that first and foremost wants to smash people and nail people and not get the ball and get the man first? Absolutely he is. And the one on De Bruyne, you know, if that ends De Bruyne's season, just like Rudiger did in the final against Chelsea in around the 60th minute in that final, that's Kevin De Bruyne missing yet another big final. And I think that Casemiro sat out, not just to injure him for yesterday's game, but I think there was a bit of vitriol there to go and say, if we can leave something on players this afternoon, whether they win, lose or draw against us, we leave them walking wounded before that final against Inter Milan. And there was a lot of rash stuff going on yesterday. The Casemiro one's a disgrace. Uh, the penalty on De Bruyne is a definite pen. I think the other way around, there's no question about it. It goes to a VAR check and it's given. Um, and I just want to say as well, and this isn't just because they're Man United fans, the celebrations before the penalty even hit the back of the net for the decision was absolutely embarrassing. <laughs> I've, I've, ne I've, ne I've, never, I've never watched a crowd celebrate. I've seen crowds celebrate. last. I've, I've seen the highlights of us against QPR. I've seen the highlights of Watford when they played against Leicester and Deeney scored. I've seen highlights of when Liverpool beat Milan on penalties. Biggest games that you've ever seen in your life, you look at the crowd reactions. United, the, the United end yesterday when that, when that penalty was given, after a VAR check for a, 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 you know, a very, very questionable handball, was embarrassing. And that shows you how desperate they are how desperate they are to try and bring us down. And guess what? We rode the storm. We won. We're on for a treble. Better than they ever did it. And like I said on the vlog, we're going to RRG. We're going to get the nicest, most hybrid Toyota that they can offer us. And we're going to stick flags on the back of it and drive past the statues outside Old Trafford and wave them like they did in 99 when we got promotion from League One. I don't think I need to ask this next question <laughs> to all three of you, but how good does it feel now to be the undeniable top dogs in Manchester? I knew that United were going to be so motivated for that game um, because they were trying to stop us do the treble, because they're not top dogs anymore, even off the field. And I bet your Nick knows this, Paul. You know, the, the City have gone ahead of United off the field in terms of commercial activities, in, in terms of sponsorship. I mean, I know lots of people 
you know, want to try and hit City over the head with a stick on the basis of ah, your cheeks and everything. No, they're just actually very good at what they do and get get things now that United can't get anymore. So to actually win that final, and I know again we keep talking about this being one step towards the treble. Let's just forget the treble for a minute, just for a minute. We'll come back to the Champions League final. City just beat United at Wembley in the FA Cup final. That was something I would have absolutely dreamed about until two or three years ago when our expectations went have gone so high now that we can have sort of world domination. But, you know, how good did it feel when we won the league in 2012? Because United were the ones we sort of snatched it away from. I know we weren't playing them, but we snatched it away from them. Yesterday, we went to Wembley as favourites with a better team and beat Manchester United at Wembley in the FA Cup final. If we don't win the Champions League final, and who knows what's going to happen, but if we don't win the Champions League final, what a season it's been. We've won the league for the fourth time in five years. We've beaten Manchester United at Wembley in the FA Cup final. Come on, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? You know, the best, the best thing about it all is that Pep has said he's going to stay at City as manager because I think there was a lot of speculation that he might have had enough you know, he, he might take life easier by maybe going and becoming manager of the Spanish national team or whatever. Uh, and I think I think this this one is the big one for Pep. I know he's won it before at other clubs, but, um, you know, he considers the, uh, the Champions League the trophy to win. And I don't think he'll be happy with winning two out of three, you know, and that's great. Because he's going to get that message over to the to the dressing room, and the and the lads would have all celebrated last night, and, and quite right they should do, yeah. you know. Uh, and then they will concentrate as from today on what they've got to do next weekend, and uh, and he'll be the main instigator of that. He'll make sure that the training's right, everybody's in peak condition physically and mentally to start the game. Um, you know, I think he's uh, I think he's a top top man for that. And, uh, but also the team, I looked at, I looked around. Um, you know, when they were all um, presenting the trophy to the crowd, and you know, there are, there are people like Tiggy Bagiristin and and the chairman. They, they, they're all steeped in Barcelona. They're all steeped in the Johan Cruyff uh, method of, uh, of total football. Nothing direct at all. And, and you know, and the players have adapted to that, the way you look at John Stones, the way he stepped into midfield. And uh, it's, an, it's no problem to him. And, and that is all down to what's been done on the coaching field, on, on the coaching pitch. They all know the jobs. Uh, you know, he's, he's sold players to Arsenal, as I mentioned before, knowing that he had players that could come into the team and, and do the job more than adequately. He's come back from maybe eight points behind Arsenal at a certain stage of this season and gone past them. You know, like, I can't imagine what the feeling is like in the dressing room at the moment. They must feel an absolute million dollars, undefeatable, you know. And you look at people like Edin Dzeko, who's going to be playing against them as a 37-year-old, 38-year-old, whatever he is. Never a fantastic player at City. I don't think Inter Milan are as good as either Arsenal or Manchester United do. You know, I, I think this is the easiest game for City to win, but it's also 
you know, if they if City go into this, the City players that is, if they go into this uh, game uh, thinking that you know they've they've done it already, they've got the the two tough ones out, you know, and if there's if there's any sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for, Ian? Complacency. The, complacency is is perfect. So. You know, if but I don't think Pep will allow him to be complacent at all. You know, I think he'll keep him right on top of the game, uh, and I think they'll go on and uh, and complete the treble. And I'm almost convinced of it. Rodney Marsh was on the podcast last week, and he was he says he watches Inter Milan quite a bit, and um, they're, they're likely to play or not frightened anyway of playing five or even six across the back. And we also know, and you will know this better than me, Paul. You played against uh, Claudio Gentile. Um, mm-hmm. And players like that, you know, when you were playing against uh, Juventus for City back in the day, the Italians have always had a little bit of a reputation for being prepared to do what it takes to win a game, even if it means involving the dark arts. I don't watch Inter Milan enough enough to know that. You've said that you're fairly confident by the sounds of it without, as long as the word complacency doesn't pop into it. I wonder what the other two fans are thinking. I mean, I know what Adam's like. Um, I suspect that you won't be taking anything for granted, Adam, will you? Well, I won't take it for granted, but I, I, I agree that, um, you know, not only it's good news we got to the final, but if you could have asked me at the start of the season, would I take into Milan as opponents? I would have bit your hand off for that. Um, I, as I've been saying every time I'm on here, I feel like Pep has been working out what he wants to do in the latter stages. That's what he spent all season doing. We've had changes of style and changes of personnel all throughout the season to get to this point where he's just got, He's got the team playing how he wants. We've got the big man up front. If we want to go direct, we can do that. We've got the tricky dribblers on the pitch and on the bench if we want to go that way. If they, if, if, if Inter Milan's put six, string six across the edge of their own box, we'll eat them for breakfast. I'm not saying it's a given that we'll win, but I, how, could, how could we possibly be in a, be in a better position than between now and, and kickoff? It's, it's all there for us. You're going to Istanbul, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going on Wednesday. What sort of sacrifices have you made? I, I don't want to go into your personal finances, but I know a lot of City fans have had to borrow on credit cards and, and all this sort of thing. It's one of them where you think, I absolutely have to be there. Was it like that for you? Yeah, it is. It is. Well, and as you know, Ian, since since the, since the COVID, and I've given up my season ticket now and I only go to uh, games where I can get tickets off mates, really, a lot of the time. I really was disillusioned by the way it was all handled in COVID and at the same time with VAR. And I feel a very, I've been going to watch City for 45 years and I've, I, I feel like this could be, the, this could be the, the cherry on top of my City supporting career. So this is the season, I think, when it will all happen. So I just wanted to, yeah. to get every drop of it out of, out of this season because I think if we, do win the, if we do win this treble, I just feel like that, you know, that's sort of a book, a bookend, really, for my for my following city up, up and down the land, you know. That sounds quite ominous. You're not going to stop after that, are you? Not stop, but I think I'm not. I'm naturally I'm naturally out of love with modern football. I, I don't feel the same love for the game as I used to. Um, so I'm. It's, it's a you know. I just don't. I don't see me continuing to spend the rest of my life following, putting it, making every weekend about following city. That I, I just don't see that happening. And this to me seems like a natural breaking point but I, I don't want to miss this breaking point you know <laughs> so yeah any any penny necessary is getting spent to go there yeah 
that might be a subject for a future podcast, actually, in all seriousness, because I talk to a lot of older fans, you know, who sort of say, well, you know, I, I mean, I've spent all my life, um, I know some of it working for the BBC, but basically since I was a kid to the present day, my whole life has revolved around Manchester City and uh, around attending games. I, I lived the dream as a commentator and as a reporter, but and I did that for a section of this time, but I didn't do it for all my life, you know, and, and the reason yeah. I've reinvented myself as a, a YouTuber and a podcaster and all that is because of my passion for City and want my absolute desire to go everywhere. But as we see the future of the Champions League changing, you know, more games and, and obviously if City were to win in Istanbul, then there'd be a Super League game in Greece in August. There'd potentially be the, the World Club final or whatever it will be. Who knows where that is? It might be Tokyo or... And eventually there'll come a breaking point and there's still a lot of older fans go watching City, the so-called legacy fans. Uh, I, I genuinely believe City don't value as they should do yeah. Um, I think that the whole marketing and, and direction that the club is going in is all about uh, youth. And um, I think they're making a mistake there. Uh, but but that today's not the day perhaps to have that, that debate in full, but it's certainly relevant. And the other part of it, I suppose, is, you're, you know, you're talking about your own situation. And although uh, Paul said, you know, Pep's committed to the future, we know that Gundogan, um, as there's been rumours of him going, uh, the, the latest being that Cheeky apparently is trying to convince him to stay and might do a deal with him. Uh, Bernardo might go. You look at, at KDB, brilliant, brilliant player. I love that guy to bits. He tired so much, though, in the, in the game. And although he's only in his early 30s, the way he plays requires a lot of energy. So you just wonder... And this is the last thing I want to do is be negative or put a downer in a, in a conversation here where we're talking about just winning the Manchester derby and looking forward to the Champions League. But you wonder, if City go on and win that, is this sort of a bit of a break-up point of, of, of some fans and some players? And, you know, we, there's no guarantee the next era will be as good as what we, we're going through right now. Harlan, you're a younger fan, so you'll have a completely different perspective, won't you? Ian, it's one of them. So, you know, I was born in 93, but I'm not I'm not going to lie to people and tell people, you know, we all like to say we've supported City all our lives, but the, the reality is, I know you've supported them for a, a, a hell of a long time. That's because I'm old. Watched, yeah, yeah, but you've watched well over 2,300 games, I believe now. The, the thing is, we don't really grasp, boy or girl, you know, whoever you may be, um, you don't really grasp what football means, I don't think, till you're around seven or eight. Uh, I fully... You know, I remember, and I, I, we actually did a podcast about this. Where did our, our cityism come from, if you if you want to call it that? And and where did that, you know, where was that born? And I said the first ground I ever visited was Boundary Park with my dad and his friends. And then I remember listening to a commentary of yours on GMR with with Fred Eyre, and my dad was saying, "Oh, you know," I said, "Oh, dad, why are you listening to a you know a city commentary? You know, who are City?" And dad was like, "Oh, they're my team." And I said, "I thought you were a Latics fan." And he said, oh, no, I'm a City fan. You're a City fan. And my reaction was, am I? And, and, and it was one of those things where, it, you know, it comes at you and you, you you embrace that then. And going into school and knowing that we weren't guaranteed a win every weekend was part of the fun. Um, so I was about eight or nine. I'd be getting kits. Mum would be treating me to the kit. We'd, we'd see it in, in Olden Town Centre. And I'd say, Mum, that's the new one. And she'd go, what do you mean a new one? There's another one. And he'd say, yeah, there's a new kit every season uh, or every two seasons as it was then. And you, you know, you... You begin to love your club um, and you begin to embrace it 
well, every living second, really. And I know I'm a football obsessive, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to to, to admit that. You know, there's there's bad addictions in the world, and, and 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 there's good addictions. And City are a very good addiction that I will continue to be addicted to till the day I leave the earth and probably beyond, and wherever you go next in, in in the next life. But I can see where Adam's coming from in the sense that, you know, even though I'm 29, I can appreciate that. Having gone to non-league in this local area that I'm in now, Atherton and, and other clubs, Curzon Ashton when I was younger in Oldham, and having you know being at, being on core commentary at Bolton and seeing that club having gone through the, the doldrums a tiny you know bit over the years, and I've seen them go to administration and, and Wigan are now going through it and Bury have gone and they're on their way back now. Hopefully they get the keys back to Gig Lane very soon. You know when you see a club go through that, and we could have very well gone through it, like you said during the early 2000s and especially late 90s, that. That's what football really is. Um, and although we absolutely love everything we're experiencing now, you can't help but admit, although we're trying to stay positive, that City have moved away from that that that, that club that they once were, yes, with a lot of success, but in terms of, like you said, the older fans and those that are maybe middle-aged, um, you know, and those that are a bit older than me, and even my generation, um, we're almost kind of just... The club are complacent with that, I believe. Um, and I can see why winning the Champions League would be, be the cherry on the cake. And and, and if, if some people never watched another City game again, it'd be the perfect way to end it all, wouldn't it? Well, let's park that debate and let, let's have that, you know, again. Hopefully I'll be back with podcasts again next season. And by the way, uh, you talk about, you know, how the club has went through those difficult times. And I've I've spoken to John Wardle in the past, who's an absolute hero of mine, who paid the wages at, at one time for City to keep it going. I'm sure, probably at the time you were there, Paul, as uh, in working in the, the backroom staff. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis Stewart was, uh, was on the board as well at that time, yeah. Yeah, absolute heroes. Well, next, the last podcast, which we're going to do of the season, um, assuming that there's no coming home parade on the Tuesday evening after Istanbul, um, we'll be recording on the Tuesday after the uh, the final on Saturday. And the special guest that we'll have on that night is David Bernstein, the former chairman, who was one of those who steadied the ship when it was rocking the worst, really, um, and took a, you know, ultimately led us to where we are. Um, so hopefully that'll be a big celebration of the season and uh, and the Champions League. So we're yeah. now going to finish this podcast by looking ahead to that Champions League final. Um, I'm setting off on Thursday morning. I'll be vlogging as I go along, so you'll see what my journey is, um, because. Uh, but despite what people might think and my association with Sony TV India, because I'll be covering the game for them out there, um, I don't get paid enough to, to be put up and flown out directly. I'll be doing a long circumnavigous route to save money, stopping in an Airbnb and all that, just like lots of other fans are, because you have to do whatever you need to do to go. So I'll be vlogging and telling people that story as I go along. Uh, but once we're all up in Istanbul, 20,000 City fans, in theory, probably more Inter Milan fans in, in that, that stadium. What is it going to be like? What are you expecting? Let me leave Paul to the end of this debate and let me start with Adam and say, you're going. Um, you, you know, have you looked on the City app? I mean, do you know what to expect? There's an Inter Milan section. There's a, there's a, I think I'm stopping in the Inter Milan section, by the way. Don't know that that's happened. And then there's a City section. The City is enormous. I've never been there. The stadium is an hour away from the city. There's going to be short. It kicks off at 10 p.m. at night local time. What are you expecting, Adam, from that trip? 
I mean, genuinely, I don't, I don't know what to. But I've been to Turkey a couple of times. I've never been to Istanbul. Um, I mean, I can't even get my head around what's in store. Really, I've only just swallowed yesterday. I've got to write myself post-it notes to remind myself to breathe at the moment. So, <laughs> all over the place. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm the same as you. It's around Taksim Square, I think, it's the Inter Milan hub, but that's where we're all staying. So, um, could be interesting. What's it called? I'm Adam? hoping that What's there'll be. Taxim. Oh, I'm going to say a bit of a taxing square. I mean, that's not that's not, that, that's not the kind of uh, yeah. yeah, fair enough taxing souls to the shake. But yeah, that's the only taxing we ever want to remember. If I'm honest, <laughs> as well as to lose. And what are you expecting? Yeah, what are you expecting, Adam, from the game then? I, th- I mean, I think we'll win the game. I'm I'm expecting no surprises in the team selection. I'm just expecting more of the same. I mean, I, I'm in my head, you know, you. I know I always go on about how much I love Kevin De Bruyne, but in my head, this this is the day. This is the day when the world hopefully sees him as what he is, which is, I think, the best player we've ever had, the best player I've ever seen. Uh, that stage is, is set for that man to to win us the game and and well and just take it all. <laughs> Will you be it's better to be a parade? Are you going to be make sure you, you said you want to drink it all in? Are you going to be at all that as well? I won't because I, I'm not coming back till the following. I'm not coming back till the Wednesday, just for cost purposes. It was just cheaper to get that flight, so I'm out there till I'm out there for a week. I can relate to the the the, the logistical problems, shall we say? Uh, what about you, Harlan? I don't think you're going over there, are you? Because no, no, I'm not, mate. No, we're, not we're easy for everybody. In, um, but we're, we're watching it in a fantastic establishment called Joshua Brooks in Manchester. I've been and seen a few uh, music events in there, and it's a downstairs cove-type atmosphere uh, with a void sound system. So although it won't sound like it, it will in the stadium, it's the best sound system, system money can buy. So I'm sure that it will it will some, somewhat take me and Jess a bit closer to Turkey whilst being in the comfort of our own city. Um, I think it's open to only season ticket holders in Joshua Brooks in Manchester are not far from the factory in the gay village. So I think that the um, you know the amount of city fans in there will will, will allow us to feel like we're with you in Turkey. Um, you know it won't be the only Turkey we have this year because we'll have it again at Christmas. But I'm sure that we'll uh, we'll enjoy it just just as much if not more. Um, and what what I want to say is Ian is that although we are we are fully confident we can do it and we aren't going in complacent, we've got to be wary of the fact that there is an ex Manchester United striker up there who City fans sometimes are guilty of disrespecting that as the bit between his teeth and will want to, to put a stop to all this, and that is Romelu Lukaku. You know, he has he has taken to playing for Inter Milan quite quite well, and he's had two very good seasons there for them. Not to mention Latoro Martinez as well, and our old man Edin Dzeko. They've got Nico Barella in midfield, of course, and they've got a solid back three themselves, like we've got in Stefan De Vrij, um, you know, and, 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 the, and the other two alongside him as well in Skriniar, um, with a very good goalkeeper in Onana. So, They've got a very, very good squad of players and they're an Italian stallion and they weren't so long ago league champions themselves. So they are here on merit and we've got to be wary of, of their armoury. However, I do believe that what Adam said is right and I do believe that moments like this are built for men like Kevin De Bruyne. If he is this time allowed to stay on the pitch for the duration of the final, he will undoubtedly make a difference. I think it's written in the stars for Ilkay as well, your Colin Bell region. And I also believe that the likes of Julian Alvarez I've got a big say in it with the intensity they'll press at in the game. Um, Haaland is, of course, going to make himself immortal if he scores in this after the season of a lifetime for him. And I believe that our back three in front of Edison 
And of course, Carl Walker, who's been faultless all season for me, will uh, will do the business in Turkey. Look, it's one of those days this year. You know, I thought that the Chelsea one was going to be the one. Um, if I'm honest with you, but I won the Champions League then, it kind of wouldn't have been as important now to go and win it now as part of a treble. So on reflection, I'm kind of glad we didn't win that one because it makes this one more magical. And I firmly believe that the boys will go out there and get the job done and put that cherry on Adam's cake that he's always been dreaming of. I'd agree with you that with I was um, lucky enough to be in Porto when uh, Chelsea obviously won the, the Champions League. And I know you might say this is easy to say in hindsight, but because there were only six or 7,000 City fans there in a crowd of 14,000, um, the last thing I wanted was City's first Champions League win, which will mean so much to us to have been attended by so few. I know you can't be there, Harlan, and I wish you could be, and I wish loads of other City fans that I care about and love could be there. We can't all be there financially, work-wise, lots of different situations. It doesn't mean you're not there in spirit, by the way. You know, you will yeah. be with us in spirit in that yeah. stadium. And I felt that way for that one in Porto. However, I'm still glad that we're now back in full stadiums. I know it's costing an arm and leg to get there, trust me. Um, but for so many proper City fans to be out there attending doesn't mean that it will be so much more special if we do yeah. it over there. And the other thing, yeah. before you chip in again, Harlan, um, yeah. you and I both love Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, yeah. Ilkay Gundogan, for me, was deservedly the man of the match at Wembley. Um, yeah. You know that I have a special connection because um, my mum was born in Gelsenkirchen in Germany, yeah. which is where Ilkay was born. Just before we started to record this podcast, I had a phone call from John Bell, Collins' son, um, and I know how much it means to him the fact that Ilkay is wearing the number eight shirt, uh, wearing a Colin Bell memorial shirt, if you want to call it that, with the crown in the collar and everything, the number eight, the captain. And so I know how much it means to him. I know how much it means to me. I read somewhere this week, I hope I'm wrong, that City won't be wearing that shirt in Istanbul, that some UEFA rule meant that they'll have to wear next year's um, home shirt. I heard that's not the case, Ian. I heard they've changed that they've backtracked on that. Oh, good, 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 because that would mean so much more to me personally, and I hope to other people to have that Colin Bell shirt that we remember Colin. Um, if, when, when, let's be positive, when we win the Champions League, and that that would absolutely mean the world to me. So, just before Paul comes in to close the podcast, Harland, go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ian, it, you know, I think Ilkay. If I'm right, I think I am right because I've, I've I've gone over this many times in my head. Ilkay Gundogan's the only player in this squad that's played in the Champions League final. Um, he played against Bayern Munich and lost. Uh, Ian Robin scored the winner in that one in 2013. I remember watching it. Ilkay scored a pen in the game, and I thought Dortmund were going to do it. And it just seems this Dortmund Munich rivalry where he goes on and on and on. They've just been, uh, they just had the league snatched away from them on the final day, of course, as well. But. Ilkay knows what it's like to play in a final and him being the captain, it bodes well for us, doesn't it? Um, one more thing as well is this. I don't know if City fans have thought of this. I don't know if any of us have thought of it either, apart from myself. But we have just beat United in a semi-final of the FA Cup. We've just beaten our biggest rivals after snatching the title away in 2012, after beating them in the semi-final in 2011, on the way to winning our first ever trophy in 35 years. The final's in Istanbul. We also can't stand Liverpool. So we can go and win the treble and do what they did, Manchester United, but better and in a more convincing fashion than they did because they snatched all three of theirs, in my honest opinion, looking back at the history books, and do it where Liverpool claim that their nine in Istanbul against AC Milan happened. 
we can kill two birds with one stone, literally. Love it. Paul, um, champions. A bit of a coincidence that, just by the way, you know, that uh, Liverpool beat AC Milan and City are going to go there and beat Inter Milan. So, well, I tell you, I mean, I played it in, I played against Inter Milan at the San Siro Stadium and uh, the atmosphere will be unbelievable. We, we were lucky, actually, that the night we played um, because a fog descended uh, just before the kickoff and they uh, they uh, postponed the game until the following afternoon. So a lot of the uh, Inter Milan fans would have been working that following afternoon. The atmosphere wasn't the same. It was during the day. You know, it wasn't as intimidating as all the fireworks and everything that were going off at the night time. So, um, you know, I, I think there'll be a fantastic atmosphere, whatever, uh, whatever the result. To say it for, you scored that day, didn't you? I'll say it for you. you uh, I, did, I, I did indeed, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget that either. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it, really looking forward to the atmosphere as much as anything, you know, and uh, obviously... Uh, I think if both teams play to the full potential, then City's potential is better than Inter's, and I think City will win. But you never know. And but but I still don't think that Pep will allow the team to be complacent. They'll go out there and give it give it the best shot. Erling Haaland hasn't scored for four games on the trot. You know he's he's got to score uh, in the fifth one. So you know I think if uh, uh, if he's on song. Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, and and Gundogan is like a he's like a little thief. I, I, I know I shouldn't say that, but he, he sneaks into properties and gets into areas where he shouldn't be. You know, turns up in the uh, eighteen yard box and uh, and finishes things off. He's um, you know, and I, and I absolutely love um, uh, Bernardo Silva because of his work rate and his passion. You know, he's uh, I, I just think. The team is is built for success, and I, I just hope they go there and, and make sure um, everybody enjoys a successful night next Saturday. Well, it's been nice. One other thing, and just say that whoever does miss out, we've got so many great, dedicated, talented players in that squad, and some of them are going to have to miss out. And if you know, if Foden can't get a game, even Americ Laporte can't get a game, or Riyad Mahrez, some of those people are not going to get games, and I feel really feel for them because the whole yeah, well, the, yeah but the game changes. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. if uh, so if things aren't going particularly well, like Kevin De Bruyne didn't have a great second half, uh, uh, you know, on Saturday, and he can bring he, he can bring uh, Phil Foden in there, and he can play wide or he can play central now. I think he's. I think he has learned off players like Bernardo Silva and uh, uh, Ilke Gundogan. And I think he's developed some of the skills that they've uh, developed. And, you know, you, you can't but fail to do that when, when you train with top-class players uh, uh, week in and week out. And Mares is going to come, he's a game-changer. You know what I mean? Uh, Alvarez is a game-changer. We've seen that. The goal is scored uh, recently. And, and they're all capable of scoring uh, goals like that. Fantastic to have a bench like that, uh, and uh, you know, fantastic to have a group of players who are all willing. The eleven that get selected, they're willing them on, um, you know, but but could make a difference if they come on themselves. So, uh, I'm I'm really optimistic without being complacent, which is a, a word I keep using. So, let's hope the players don't. 
not all those players who don't start have been part of the journey to get there. So they all yep. uh, deserve as much credit as anybody. Uh, thanks very much to uh, to Howard Solicitors for supporting the podcast. Can't say how much I, I appreciate it. HowardSolicitors.com. Check them out. Use them if you can. Tell them about uh, hearing about it on Forever Blue. And thanks to you for listening. But thanks to Adam and to Harlan and to... A wonderful captain and uh, former coach and, you know, hero and F- FA Cup semi-final score and all the those powerhouse. The powerhouse, Paul Power. <laughs> Paul Power, powerhouse, yeah, absolutely, um, for joining us. Paul, thank you so much uh, for giving us so much of your time and uh, let's hope we're all smiling next week, eh? Thanks for letting me reminisce. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. We will be smiling next week. We will. And whatever happens, you know what, especially right now, just after beating United at Wembley in FA Cup final, isn't it great to be a blue? Absolutely, absolutely.